Welcome to this episode of the Springs in the Desert podcast. This episode is a recording of a Facebook Live session featuring a few of our team members where we discuss discerning treatment for infertility. We hope you enjoy it and please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, we are pulling up the comments right now so that we will be able to see everything that you're sharing. We're so glad you're with us. This is our um, third Facebook Live event. Um, it's been really awesome to see all the feedback we've gotten since the retreat that we held on Mother's Day um, and just all the excitement about different topics. We've had a lot of discussion in our Facebook group and on our private Facebook group about um, things you want to discuss. And so discerning treatment was one of those things that we kept hearing again and again um, as a topic that was just really on people's hearts. And I know it's a really difficult aspect of dealing with infertility for many couples, whether it's just discerning within the many, many treatment options or when it's time to take a pause for a shorter or a longer period of time, or perhaps it's discerning when to finally stop pursuing treatment if you've come to that place. And then there are many other aspects um, within those decisions. So we are gathered here today. I'm Allie and I'm joined by uh, Kimberly, Andrea and Casey. And I'll give you their little bios in a second and let them kind of share a little bit about their specific um, journeys with infertility and with treatment specifically. But before we do that, I just wanted to say that we are, although we all have uh, really awesome professional backgrounds, these ladies do, we are speaking from our personal experiences tonight. We're not um, here to offer, you know, medical advice or take the place of a doctor or a mental health counselor that you may be um, seeing or, um, you know, an ethicist or any, any other aspect, you know, your priest. So we're, we're going to speak from our personal experience, um, but you know, we, everybody has their own unique path through infertility and through um, discerning treatment. So we're here to share so that you know you're not alone, that there are others who walk with you on this journey, and each of us has um, a particular experience that we want to share with you um, as far as how we've discerned treatment through this difficult journey. So without further ado, I'm going to be playing moderator tonight, so I won't read my own bio, but I'm joined by Kimberly, as I mentioned, she's one of the co-founders of Springs in the Desert, and she has a PhD in moral theology and ethics and a master's degree in theology. And Kimberly and her husband, Greg, of 12 years, have four young children. We got to see one of them earlier today in our <laughs> Facebook preview video. Um, three of those children are adopted, and one is still soon to be adopted, foster baby. Is that right? August. Um August 3rd, we're adopting him. So oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so we're happy to have her here and, um, and her expertise, obviously, in moral theology and ethics will be really great to hear more about. Um, we also have Casey with us, and Casey is a mental health counselor professionally, and together with her husband of seven years, Brian, who's also been awesomely involved in our ministry and has written a blog and really excited to have him part of our our group. Um, they're involved in their parish music ministry and engaged couple mentoring, and they also run a miscarriage bereavement ministry at their parish. So welcome, Casey. 
And then Andrea works as a virtual assistant and has worked in youth, young adult, and parish ministry for 14 years. And she has a master's degree in pastoral ministry. And then through prayer and discernment, Andrea felt the call to participate in her spiritual motherhood through the ministry of spiritual direction. So we'll be excited to hear a little bit more about that, hopefully through this conversation. So um, before we get to some of the questions that we've been receiving and that we're going to be receiving live, I just want to open it up for y'all to talk a little bit more about your particular experience with infertility and how um, treatment and discerning treatment has been part of that. So I'll kick it over to Kimberly to start off with that. All right. Thanks. Yes. Um, we have been married for 12 years and we got married a little bit older in life. And I had already, we had, you know, been, we had met studying theology in grad school and already were very interested in having a large family. And, you know, my husband has a brother with nine children <laughs> and another with four children. And we were just hoping to have a big family, but, um, so I had already been charting before we even got married and things seemed fine. I, you know, th I didn't think there would be any trouble. Um, but as after we got married and things weren't happening, we sought out a good doctor and we'd already known, we'd already known about NAPRO technology. Uh, uh, so we went ahead and found um, a, a doctor who was specializing in that area. And he, um, you know, he, we really liked him. I mean, he was very, you know, faithful Catholic and um, really interested in trying to help us figure out what was going on. But um, I don't know, it was just, it was a struggle because we were thinking, I mean, my whole goal was like, I just wanted to get myself healthy enough to be able to conceive. And um, so we were looking at the you know, my estrogen and progesterone and all these things. And so he started um, suggesting various treatments such as, you know, taking HCG injections and progesterone supplementation and, you know, things like that um, and a surgery to kind of see what was going on. And it seemed like there wasn't really an answer as to what exactly the problem was. So there was some unexplained infertility going on there. Um, but I don't know. It, it was hard because I, I kept, the whole time I was very anxious about, you know, are these interventions causing harm to my body? Um, you know, I, I was just nervous about taking Clomid. I was nervous about taking HCG injections. It just felt, and I felt very emotional doing all these things. I, it didn't feel, I don't know, I, I just struggled. And I really struggled with charting and um, being on top of that because I just felt like, here I'm trying to control an area that is I can't really control, and I don't know. It was hard for me, so um, I'm just not that type of person who's really um, good at being very analytical about my own <laughs> self in that way, and having to keep track of things was very difficult for me. I, I hated it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so even though I, I teach other women how to do this, but I found it just personally very just that desire so much to get pregnant, I just found it so, um, I don't know, just frustrating. And, and I didn't want to have to keep monitoring things. I wanted to just trust that God was gonna take care of things and there would be a plan, but I wanted to make sure I was as healthy as I could be. So anyway, as we were continuing to look down that path and, 
and doing different things, we went ahead and started the foster care route because I just knew, um, I, I wanted to kind of open as many doors as possible to allow God to sort of do what he wanted to do and just to learn to just um, surrender and say, whatever path you want, God, like we'll go that way. So, you know, I did the surgery and I did some of the interventions and I did the like different diets and things like that. And then we went ahead and did the fostering thing and just sort of like, okay, God, we're just going to give it to you. And it helped me a lot just to be able to sort of let go and just sort of not feel like I had to, I had to get pregnant physically. Like that wasn't the goal so much after a while. It was sort of like, okay, just trust that God's going to take care of our family and lead us. So. That's an awesome, awesome witness and quite a journey. I can't believe you 12 years. That yes. went fast. Yes. <laughs> <It's gone> fast. <laughs> and yeah, so. Thank you for sharing that. Um, okay, so I'll go Casey next. We want to share anything you want to share about your infertility, especially with um, discerning treatment. Sure, thanks, Allie. So my husband and I married almost seven years ago, and we have not tried to conceive right away um, in our marriage. And so we were married for about four years um, before we started trying to conceive. Um, and I had been charting um, since before we got married because I was a little anxious over charting and wanted to make sure I had the hang of it before we got married, um, since we didn't feel called to try for pregnancy right away. Um, and so we had tried without any interventions for nine months. And at that point I did actually conceive naturally, um, but sadly that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. We lost our child who we named Christian um, at about nine weeks and there wasn't really any explanation. Um, and very sadly we had learned from our gynecologist at the time that they don't tend to do any testing until you've had two or three miscarriages, um, which was very uh, disheartening and painful. Um, so we had figured, okay, you know, we can get pregnant naturally without any help. So we went along trying again. And after about six months of not um, conceiving, we decided, okay, we, we better go ahead and start asking some questions. Um, so we ended up seeing just kind of like a run-of-the-mill fertility doctor um, that had come recommended by some peers. Um, I hadn't known about NAPRO technology. Um, I didn't grow up Catholic. I uh, joined the Catholic Church in college, and so I didn't really have an upbringing of a lot of the different uh, Catholic resources, and my um, husband's family uh, didn't have any issues with conceiving, and they're also very private, so I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, so we had gone to a fertility doctor, and um, we had a mixed experience there. Um, I would say that I found it a little surprising that that doctor said, oh, I don't want you to chart while you're seeing me. I think it's just going to confuse you. Um, and I was like, I don't think it's going to confuse me. Um, but ultimately, um, after working with that doctor for a few months, um, we got the sense that we were given a cookie cutter approach, uh, such as, you know, this is the intervention that works for the most people. So we're going to give you Clomid um, and things like that. And then um, after those interventions, weren't working and in fact were drying up perfectly good cervical fluid and things like that. Um, he said, okay, we better go to IUI and was like, here, you know, here, come in tomorrow. You haven't ovulated yet. And we just, we had a hard time with, um, it seemed a bit consumeristic um, when we were there and we weren't ready to take steps that quickly um, and go to that length. Um, so we took a, a very short break um, from treatment altogether. And then a couple of women had recommended a local NAPRO doctor to me and we thought, okay, well, let's, let's give this a try. 
uh, you know, they're not going to be asking us to do anything that uh, might be against Catholic teaching. Um, and we had heard some good things. And so we've been working with this particular doctor for about a year and a half now. Um, and so while we haven't conceived during this time, I've learned so much more about my body and what is going well and what isn't going well. Um, so we haven't cracked the code or anything yet. And I, I don't really know if that is, is the important thing at this point. Um, but we, we have definitely had more of an attitude of, you know, restoring my overall health um, and seeing how my re reproductive health fits into that. Um, so at this point, my husband and I are still pursuing fertility treatment. Um, we're not doing uh, anything that is really uh, um, dramatic at this point. I haven't had a surgery. Um, I have had a couple of procedures like an endometrial biopsy uh, to check things out. Um, but for the most part, it's been progesterone supplementation um, and trying out some other supplements to improve my fertility. Um, and so my husband and I very recently this spring also uh, kind of asked ourselves, okay, you know, uh, we, we have more of this attitude of preserving and improving my overall health. Um, and we also still feel called to actively be parents. And so we are at the very, very beginning stages of discerning whether or not foster to adopt is a part of our family growth journey and whether or not to pursue that simultaneously with continuing treatment for our fertility. That's where we are. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. Andrea. Yeah, um, so I've been married for about six years, but um, kind of similar to Kimberly too. I actually learned about NAPRO technology before I was married from a good friend who was a NAPRO teacher. And she informed me about the whole system of charting and why I should just do it just to learn more about my body. So I dove in um, earlier before I was married. And um, thank goodness I did because I actually discovered um, well, I didn't discover, but we found out that I had endometriosis um, early on before I even met my husband. So um, through charting and through working with my NAPRO doctor, um, we were able to have surgery and, you know, but he did warn me. He kind of said, you know, you'll probably have difficulty still getting pregnant. So come back, you know, with, you know, after six months after you get married, things aren't happening, come back. So we did, um, nothing was happening and um, working with uh, one doctor, but then I moved locations and now um, living in Pennsylvania found a different doctor. So it was actually nice to get a second opinion because um, she taught me a lot more about um, what was going on. We did some more intensive studies, um, lots of ultrasounds, all that fun stuff. So I've been kind of on this journey for, you know, we were actively trying for about four years, I would say, out of um, the five or six we've been married. So anyway, long story short, um, we were able to discover that I actually have uh, LUFS, um, which is luteinized unresolved follicle syndrome, which basically means my body um, ovulates, but it never actually leaves the ovary. So um, everything's kind of working. All my numbers are right. Every All my symptoms are correct, but um, but it's not you know, working enough that I can actually become pregnant. So I did actually go through three rounds of treatment, pretty intense treatment. Um, and we weren't successful with pregnancy. Um, although my doctor does think that I eventually did ovulate get my body to ovulate. But anyway, we discerned just, um, a year or so ago that we wanted to end treatments. Um, and I can share more about that too, but, um, over the course of me kind of receiving this call for spiritual direction through my prayer, 
I was learning actually a lot about discernment in and of itself, just as I'm going through my spiritual direction training. So the Lord kind of had that all lined up for me. So I was really kind of learning at the same time how to really discern this through prayer too. Um, so it all kind of ended up working out. But anyway, so now I'm, you know, now I'm a spiritual director and pursuing spiritual motherhood. Um, we didn't feel the call to adoption, um, at least at this point. So that's kind of where we're at. Thank you so much. I want to kind of um, piggyback off of that while people are still joining us. And please um, feel free to send your questions in. There's a comment uh, feed right there, and I'll be reading them live. And um, I'll keep people anonymous if you want to ask a question. I won't say your name. I'll just go ahead and ask the question. And that way, when people watch later, they'll be able to hear them as well. Uh, but I want to just delve a little bit more into that, Andrea, on, and you've all mentioned this, that, you know, this is a, a process, <laughs> much like our spiritual lives in general throughout our lives, we're constantly discerning, um, you know, where God's call, calling us. And I think there's particular pressures with infertility. Obviously, we have biological clocks and, um, and, and things like, like that. But um, I want to really get into the question about that discernment, what that has looked like, how you, um, how you entered into that for, for all of you, um, and maybe talk about one, one time where you, you felt that God was strongly calling you in a particular direction, whether that was to take a pause or to stop infertility treatment completely, or um, perhaps to continue on. Um, is there, you know, what did that look like and how did that feel? How did you know that you were following God's will in that regard? I'll start with Andrea since you mentioned it. Yeah, um, well, I think it's good to kind of note that the definition of discernment um, really is deciding or choosing between two morally good options here. So um, just to kind of clarify that, and a lot of what I've learned was through St. Ignatius um, methods of discernment through his spiritual exercises. Um, so that's kind of what I took to prayer a lot. Um, and his uh, principle and foundation, as he calls it, um, is he defines it as basically our purpose on earth is um, that we were created to praise, reverence, and serve God. So um, kind of taking a step back to just saying, all right, this is my discernment, uh, fertility treatment or not, kind of at this point, um, I really kind of decided with my husband as well, we kind of were at the point where we started to realize that this was really weighing on us and um, we needed to kind of step back. And Ignatius really instructs, um, sorry, I just lost an earring. <laughs> um, Ignatius really instructs us to, um, before we even discern, to um, make sure that we are in, we as individuals are in a place of freedom and indifference. So what do I mean by that? I mean that basically I'm indifferent to whatever outcome I discern. I'm not indifferent in the way that I don't care, but just that it doesn't, it's, not going to matter either way. So I'm not attached to fertility treatment or not fertility treatment. So um, really, I had to kind of clear my mind of any attachments that I had to getting pregnant and to being a mom and all these things that maybe delved into my worth. Um, what if I don't get pregnant? 
am I still a worthy person? Am I still, you know, worthy of love? If I'm, you know, who am I if I'm not a mom? Um, so I kind of worked through my own healing journey <laughs> in this um, before I even started the discernment. And my husband did as well. Um, he has some chronic illness, so he's got a whole nother, you know, things, things he's got to sort out with uh, between him and God as well. Anyway, um, so being indifferent and coming to a place of inner freedom of really um, releasing these areas that might be blocking me from my hands being completely available to accepting what God was going to reveal to me. Because if I went into it with this hint of like, oh shoot, that's not what I wanted, you know, then it wouldn't be this pure discernment, if that makes sense. So, um, and I hope I'm communicating that properly. Um, and also just kind of sifting through the lies of, like I mentioned, like I am not a woman if I'm not a mom. Um, and I, you know, I'm not worth anything if I'm not a mom. So I kind of worked through all of that with God and just kind of receiving more of um, his truth and his love for me as a person and as a woman. And that he, through prayer and through my own personal prayer, I felt like God was really saying, I'm, I love you despite like you were first a daughter. And that's, that's where he wanted me to focus. So all of that kind of happened before we started discerning. So then basically um, we kind of jumped into the process that Ignatian talks about. And there's, there's a lot of material out there on that. Um, a lot of like his book, um, spiritual exercises, but also there's Father Gallagher has a lot of good books on discernment as well. So I won't go into that, but anyway, so um, I came to that place and I also, we also decided that, you know, through our discernment process, we were not going to really open it up to other people. <laughs> um, meaning we would tell people, you know, we're still praying and we're still working through this or pray for us. But we knew that it was hard because obviously people's opinions matter sometimes. And, but we kind of decided ourselves, like we're, we're not going to invite other voices into this because then it gets really muddy. And then it, kind of allows us to not to listen to them versus God. And so we entered into a time of prayer and took into consideration all these things that were being affected. Um, you know, our health, our emotions, our physical, like my body was taking, like Kimberly was saying, like all these things that were coming into it. Um, but really, honestly, it came down to me, like accepting that this may not happen. And mm -hmm being okay with that. Like that ultimately was what it was of like, God, do I want a baby more than I want you? Do I want like, what, <laughs> what did that happen? When did I become so attached to this? So anyway, I'll, I'll wrap this up. Um, so all of those things combined, um, we went through kind of discernment in that way. And um, I'm just looking at my notes, but basically I realized that my focus should not be on the gift that God, you know, wants to give me. You know, he asks, he says, ask and the door shall be open. You know, um, it's not on the gift it's on, but it's not, it should be on me asking and me being willing to trust him, trust the giver of the gift more than actually receiving the gift. Um, and that's kind of where we ended up. And so I, I through all through my journey of that, I realized well, gosh, if God's not providing here, then where is he providing? Where is he opening space in my life for me to be fruitful? And, you know, okay, I have more time now that I'm not, 
you know, caring for children. All right, let's look into that. Like I've been in ministry most of my life. Let's look into that. He's led me down that road. So that's kind of how I, I kind of got around to spiritual direction and working with women because I've done that most of my life. Um, so anyway, that's a really long answer, but <laughs> no, thank you. That's, that's, that's so good to hear. Uh, a little bit of a different perspective. If Casey or Kimberly, if you want to share just how you knew um, any particular decision, um, did you feel peace or um, how, how was praying through, through, through those, um, those decisions? Sure. I can jump in on that. Um, thanks so much, Andrea, for that definition of discernment. It actually makes me realize that a good deal of what I thought was discernment in my life was actually decision-making um, because that, that uh, added aspect of it being choosing between two moral goods uh, really does kind of uh, change things up in terms of some of the decisions uh, that I've had to face where I was actually not choosing between two moral goods, but you know, engaging in the struggle to choose the moral good. So sure. I looked at that as discernment, but perhaps that is a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of discernment, though, I think that I would say that uh, maybe I've just entered into my discernment journey. Um, I think that since I had been able to get pregnant one time, uh, there's been a mindset of like, my body can figure this out, uh, at least for a few weeks. Um, and so I think that there's been like this clinging on to uh, what, what can my body do or what can't my body do? And really, um, the focus needs to be what does God want to do? Um, I'm reminded of a passage from a prayer from St. Augustine that says, um, Lord, I turned to seek you in all things that you had fashioned as a pathway, but I lost myself in them. And I think that we are all in that same place as St. Augustine from time to time. Um, And right now, in terms of where we are in discerning treatment and and discerning our journey together as a married couple, um, I would say that that discernment piece is um, really not necessarily abandoning the idea of pregnancy, um, but recognizing uh, what is my known vocation and then what might be um, other aspects of my vocation where God's calling me. So I know I'm called in my vocation as a wife. Uh, my husband and I are married, and it is a question of how, how can I do my very best um, in my vocation as a wife, and how can he do his very best in his vocation as a husband? Um, the mentoring that we do of engaged couples is something that really affirms uh, the importance of always growing in marriage. Um, so that is a great good. And in terms of other discernment, um, I think just this whole season of life getting turned on its head in so many ways over the past several months um, has made me think in a more creative manner, be more introspective, spend more time just in communication with God, in conversation with him. Um, And so as part of my discernment process now about overall vocation, um, I am doing a spiritual charism workshop one-on-one with one of my Mm -hmm. old Bible study leaders, and I'm really looking forward to the fruitfulness of that. Um, to see, is there a charism that God has gifted to me that he wants me to use and, and how can I use it? Um, and so I think that that'll be applied in terms of my marriage and it may be applied in terms of motherhood, whether that is biological motherhood or adoptive motherhood. Um, but I think that in terms of discernment, I'm so glad and grateful, Andrea, that you gave all that information because that's something that I'm going to uh, follow the example of our blessed mother and ponder in my heart when it comes to my husband and me 
genuinely discerning uh, whether fostering and adopting children is part mm -hmm. of our vocation as parents. So that's a little bit of, of where I am. Just Thank you. I, I want to just jump in here and I'll let Kimberly go ahead and talk, but I want to add the, um, we've had many questions about and you all have touched on this, discerning with your spouse. You've really been talking about how this is something you do together. It's not, you know, I'm discerning over here and he's discerning over there. And um, But at the same time, you may be doing it together, but you may come to different places or you may not be always on the same page as far as a particular treatment or a pause or a stop or what's next. So I want to ask the question of, and I think Kimberly might be able to touch on this. What do you do when you and your spouse are on different pages? How have you resolved that at different times in this process? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have the answer to that. <laughs> but, uh, that's a hard one. Um, I mean, I found it really difficult, honestly, the whole process trying to be united because it just you know, it, I feel like it's really difficult because when you're focusing, when your focus becomes on trying to achieve pregnancy, um, a lot of times you know, it's really easy to kind of forget the other person and not be really tuned into each other. So, you know, I love like seeing Casey and her husband, you know, they play music together and they seem to really enjoy being together. And, you know, like, I think that's so important to try to have outside things that bring you together. Like we tried, you know, we took a dance class together and we were trying to do fun things together. So it wasn't just, you know, this isn't working out. This is not my vision for marriage. You know, <laughs> where are the ch children? <laughs> and uh, this is not what I signed up for. But um, instead to try to really, I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity more than anything. Um, I heard another speaker, I, I did go to that um, Unexplained Infertility Summit that happened recently. I watched that and I bought the talks because I found them very helpful. And um, one of the, one of the um, speakers was talking about how I mean, all marriages are difficult. All marriages, you know, you have this process of growing together that can be very painful. As my husband walks in the room right now, <laughs> he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, um, but this, it, you know, to, to go through this struggle can be such a gift in a sense because it really brings a couple together like you you have to really have every marriage is going to have some very big troubling difficult times and if you can learn that early on in your marriage how to work through that together um it's only going to provide um that's only going to help your marriage down the road you know all these struggles that that my husband and i went through to try to go through the different treatments and and figure out you know, what do we do next? You know, do we keep trying? Do we just say, forget it? Do we move into the, you know, fostering to adopt? You know, we looked at all these different adoption agencies and all the doors were closing and closing. And, and I was the one really pushing that with, you know, with my husband where he was sort of like, eh, let's just keep trying. Let's just keep trying. <laughs> like, I am done with trying. Like, I just wanted to, like, if God is not going to have this happen, like, let's just open ourselves up to another path. And, um, and it kind of, he wasn't super on board with it. Um, 
but he was willing. He was like, well, let's just start. You know, it, we, we were sort of like, let's just kind of pursue both of these paths simultaneously and see, you know, kind of what, what comes about. But, but I do feel like it is a really growth opportunity if we can look at it that way as, you know, as an opportunity for, for the couple to really say, hey, you know what, we have this hard thing to get through and this is going to help us learn to pay, you know, to really hear each other, to learn different perspectives and learn really how to grow together as a couple through this hardship. And it's only going to prepare us for, you know, the future so that we, because now that we have four little children together um, that we are, you know, um, we've adopted and, and are about to adopt, it's, you know, we have to be super united. And I'm seeing how that struggle that we went through has really helped bring us closer together to be more unified as parents, so. Well, that is good news <laughs> for everybody, <laughs> no matter where you're at. Um, and I'm so glad you touched on just that because I think there can be a real temptation to the, the focus on conceiving or on particular treatment can can negatively impact marriage. I mean, you hear, we hear this a lot, um, but it's true. And I think what you said about finding those ways, those activities, those things that can draw us together, even when we're in a really difficult place with infertility is so, so important to kind of just continue to strengthen our marriage, um, which is the most important thing in our lives as our vocation. Do you mind if I jump in on that? Please, yeah. Um, I had wanted to say, yeah, I think my husband and I learned from almost day one of our marriage that if you're only focused on achieving something, um, that it's, it's just going to draw the two of you apart. Um, my husband and I um, had both waited for marriage and uh, we found out very quickly that um, I actually was diagnosed with vaginismus and dyspareunia, which meant that we weren't able to achieve intercourse for almost a year and a half um, in the beginning of our marriage, which was one of the reasons why we had waited to try to conceive because just figuring out how to be able to be sexually intimate with one another was not an easy natural thing for us. Um, and so that was something where we had to overcome that achievement mindset um, in the midst of treatment. You know, like I had goals I had to meet with physical therapy and other different things. Um, but at the same time, you know, really tuning into one another and recognizing that like sex was not an accomplishment. Um, and I think that being able to have worked through some of that before we even started to try to conceive really did help us. I mean, we, we still fall into the trap regularly of, you know, we're just trying to achieve a pregnancy. Um, but I think that there's been an openness that we've had toward one another in some of those more difficult learning experiences that um, I, I know you all already had the communication Facebook live. Um, but I'll say that one of the most valuable lessons we've learned is that our sexual relationship is communication. Our sexual relationship isn't an activity. And so if we look at it as, you know, what do I want to say to my spouse tonight through being sexually intimate, whether that means intercourse or just being affectionate, um, then that can really help us to, to be in a better place in our hearts, um, in a given cycle that we might be trying to conceive um if there is an evening where you know like it it's you know peak fertile phase and we don't feel called to speak to each other in that sexual way to be able to let go of that and say okay like we we were meant to speak to each other in a different way today and it's okay if we don't get pregnant this time because of that um and so i think that that's one of the things that we've been on the lookout for since 
sex was pretty regimented at the beginning of our marriage um, with my diagnosis. Um, but I would just give that encouragement to anybody watching that um, remember that, you know, ultimately you're communicating with your spouse. If you mm -hmm. are trying to conceive, if you are just feeling loving towards one another, um, and to really think about what you want to communicate. If you're not wanting to communicate that you want to try to conceive, that is okay. And you don't have to communicate it just because you have fertile fluid. True. Thank you. That is, it takes the pressure off, you know, just to even, just to even hear that and to, to talk about that together. Thank you so much for saying that, Casey. Um, this kind of relates to a question that we've received and one that actually has been kind of coming up in different conversations in the Facebook group about more or less it points to how can we take care of ourselves and our um, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. So for example, you know, we may be called to do research and find second opinions and maybe this doctor doesn't have the answer, but we find a different doctor and it can almost become like this really um, intense process where we're seeking the answer. Um, mm -hmm as opposed to, you know, really taking care of ourselves. So do you think there's a point at which we can go too far in seeking the answer and a way that that might become unhealthy for us spiritually or emotionally? I think, um, I, I think I probably am guilty of this at some point along our journey too, because I, I am somebody that <laughs> likes to Google things. Um, <laughs> but also just that when you're after something and well, I'll say this for me, it was, I think early on easy to just search and search and search and search because I had wanted it so badly. And I think I felt that I deserved children just like everyone else. And so I think my pride probably got in there too a little bit. And so it kept me on this like racetrack of like, I got to find it. It's this treasure and I'm going to find it. I'm really good at investigating. I'm going to do all these things. And I'm going to find it. And it drove me like my thoughts, you know, I would, I would probably research it probably at least 90% more than my husband did. And I would just go after it. Um, and it, and it started to wear on me and I was exhausted and mentally it started to break me down. So I started to realize this. And I think what happened um, just in my prayer and in talking to other people too, my, I was in counseling as well at the same time, which was helpful, actually really helpful because that's a, a way of self-care um, that can come come out too. Um, and spiritual direction and all that, all that good stuff. Um, but of really realizing like, where's my attachment? Um, and am I on, am I in the right race here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what, where am I running and what, what am I running to and who am I running for? And so I just started diving into that and that allowed me to kind of just step back and be like, no, wait a second. I shouldn't be this attached to something. There's a healthy attachment and I, and I crossed the line. I, I went way over it and um, I had to pull myself back because I realized I, I noticed I was um, driving myself crazy, probably driving my husband crazy. Um, so that's kind of how I recognize it within myself. But counseling and um, spiritual direction and um, just taking a break. Like I, I like what Casey said too, just about easing up on your husband, on your sex life, on yourself and letting that pressure go. So thank you. Yeah, that's 
oh, so many like just <laughs> deep sighs, you know, it's like, okay, yes. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to, you know, take care of yourself. It's okay to take care of your marriage. Um, it's good to hear those things. Unless anyone wants to jump in, um, I want to just, we touched on this a little bit and I just want to get your specific thoughts on it. When it comes to other people, this was something that a lot of people brought up in the Facebook group. Other people have opinions on our, it's not just, you know, our marriage. We, and I love what you said, Andrea, about how you tried to keep those opinions out during the actual discernment process. Um, what, how have you responded when other people have made assumptions or judgments on perhaps your stopping or pr pursuing a particular treatment or pausing in treatment? Um, have you gotten any comments that, you know, things like people assuming that you, you don't care about having a baby if you are pausing or um, how have you responded to that and how have you dealt with that in your experience? Up for anyone. <laughs> Or I can speak to that. Um, I think that my my husband has definitely been on the more private side in his life, and I've generally not been terribly private. Um, and so we were actually pretty open with um, our families and our closest friends when we had discerned uh, starting to officially try for children. So like our friends were kind of aware that this was on our horizon. This was something that we were working towards. Um, and so for the most part, you know, we had people caring and saying, hey, how's this going? Um, and then being able to be real with them. So that's been helpful to us. Um, at some point, we we also kind of felt like we ended up starting to tell more people to make our lives a little easier, to be honest. Um, we're both very visible in our parish because of our role in music ministry. And I had said to Brian a couple of Sundays, like, if there is one more Sunday that some woman looks my stomach on a day that I'm bloated because I'm getting my period, wondering if I'm pregnant, I, I'm going to scream. So, you know, we had started uh, telling some people that we were closer to in the parish and our choir and things like that, that we were having a hard time and we would appreciate some prayer. Um, and so that really, it ended up being a, a really peaceful experience for us. And particularly after we had um, experienced the death of our child, Christian, um, we had felt called to start a ministry in our parish, and so we had to go public with that. Um, and so in general, we've been pretty open um, with family, friends, church members. And that has come with great fruit most of the time, um, but also sometimes that have been difficult. Um, so sometimes it's just like the well-meaning friend who uh, checks in on you on a day when like you really just honestly wanted to forget about it. Um, and thinking, okay, like, do, do I owe it to them to respond to their text message today or talk about it with them um, just because they asked? Um, and then also sometimes when, you know, people want to tell you what to do or, you know, that their own feelings are motivating them. Um, and I will say I, I've had this experience somewhat with my mom and I love my mother and she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, but I've had a couple of times go on where she's like, well, what, what are you doing next to figure out what's going on? And I know that, you know, my mom will be the best grandmother ever. Um, and so I know she's just, she's excited for that. And she knows that um, this has been a struggle for us. But sometimes those questions can feel like they're exerting a little bit of pressure on me. Um, so I've had to lovingly say to her a couple of times, you know, mom, I think maybe you're on a different timeline than we are right now. Or I think you're in a different place with your own grief journey over our infertility than we are right now. Um, and those conversations have been really good. Um, 
And then also just, you know, people will have opinions about, you know, what kind of treatment you should do and which doctor you should see and who's better than who and, and things like that. Um, and so it, it can be a difficult navigation sometimes to say, um, you know, thank you so much. We really appreciate your concern. You know, right now we, we appreciate your prayers and we're, you know, very pleased with how we're going forward. Um, and in general, we, we've mostly encountered people to be graceful about that. Um, but I know it's a very personal decision just because we have decided to be very public doesn't mean we have to, such as Andrea has said. And I would add, add to um, don't be afraid to set boundaries if you have to. Um, that's something that I'm consistently learning about. <laughs> There's these things called boundaries. Um, if, if they're and they're healthy, you know, in a kind way, if, if something, if somebody or a particular person in your life is, seems to be asking these questions consistently and it's just to the point where you're like, I just can't deal with this. You know, it's, it's okay to take space from people or take break from relationships or like Casey said, just make it really clear. Like, you know what, just pray for us or, you know, we'll, we'll let you know when we want to kind of thing. So. Yes. Thank you for that honesty. Um, I want to transition. I know that um, something that comes up a lot, and we haven't spoken about this specifically yet, but um, the church has made some things very clear as far as whether she approves particular treatments and other treatments are not so clear. Um, and I know there's been some questions about navigating that process, particularly when it comes to treatments like intrauterine insemination, IUI, um, and some other things. So I wanted to open up to start with with Kimberly just to address um, how people can navigate, um, begin to navigate, you know, whether perhaps they have a non-NAPRO doctor who's trying to push a particular treatment, how they can approach that as far as actually finding out what does the church say about this. Um, and then if it's not clear, for a particular treatment, what the church says, what the next steps might be. And I know we don't have a whole lot of time left and this is a big topic, so we'll probably continue this, but I wanted to just go, go ahead and give you the opportunity to speak to that. Sure. So I, I was giving talks about the problems with artificial reproductive technologies long before I had any clue that I was going to be dealing with infertility. And, um, and I kind of, you know, as this journey has been unfolding, I'm thinking, I think God is wanting me to really understand this, uh, this cross of infertility really well, because here I was giving these talks. So I really understood um, the church's teachings um, against the artificial reproductive technologies such as IVF. Um, I understood them very well in my head, but then having that experience of infertility and feeling like, oh, why can't I do this? I, I want a child so badly. And, I, you know, feeling that um, temptation to just want to move towards that, that, that direction that seems like, and I know after researching it a lot, it's not this really simple path. <laughs> it's not, it sounds like it, but in actuality, it's really not a very simple path. But um, it can seem like a quick fix, you know, for infertility. And and I think that as I have gone through this journey and really thought about um, philosophically the problems with a lot of these interventions, um, I've come to see more and more and more how every life, 
every child is a gift and how it's so easy when you're struggling with infertility to want to, to have that child at, at almost any cost. I mean, I can see that like desire, just like, well, why would it be so wrong to have a surrogate? Why would it be so wrong to use donor eggs? Why would it be so wrong to, to do in vitro with my husband's sperm? You know, why would this be a, you know, and, and to really like grapple with these, these questions. Um, but it's coming back to again and again, this understanding that the, the goal of the church, the goal, you know, is to, to speak um, for God, of course, and to protect the dignity of the human person and to protect the marriage, to protect the bond between the husband and the wife, to protect the child from exploitation, to protect the child from all possible um, um, assaults to to his person, to his dignity, to, you know, when you start creating embryos in Petri dishes, it just opens these, these children up to all sorts of manipulation. And it's, um, it's very troubling. So I think that um, there's some really good resources out there that will help you kind of think through a little bit more. The church has, there's an, encyc an, an encyclical, um, it's actually online that you can just Google and, and read it called Donum Vitae. Uh, instruction on respect for human life and its origin and on the dignity of procreation. And it really clearly outlines um, sort of the, the importance of having um, for the child, for the protection of that child, for that child to come about as a, um, a fruit of the union between his or her parents, his mother and father. And so it kind of explains it a little bit more. And, and we've been and we're talking a bit that I think we could actually do a whole session sort of just discussing how the church has kind of developed its position um, on a lot of these issues that keep coming up, um, different possibilities for um, different technologies and how they, they um, kind of have come to the, to the understanding and the decisions that they have um, come out with. So I think this, we have a, another doctor um, that has recently been in touch with us who used to do IVF and no longer does. And now she is in the field of reproductive, wait, what do we call it? Re restorative reproductive medicine, which I think is such a beautiful, promising field. Restorative reproductive medicine. So instead of trying to override our, the system, you know, the whole system, to try to really get in there and, and restore health to, to women and to couples. Uh, particularly in the area of fertility. So I think there's a lot of great things that are developing um, and it's very um, encouraging. So I just, I don't think Anne would mind me saying that she wrote this, but she said, yes, the church wants to protect us and our bodies from manipulation too. She doesn't speak to yes. stifle us and our dreams. She speaks to love and protect us, which is yes. what you were saying. And um yeah, I think as obviously we don't have a lot more time. So um, 
think the specifics on that, we'll look for opportunities to talk more about that to really help people navigate um, what that looks like and, and point you to resources like what Kimberly mentioned. But please, um, if there are specific questions, please write to us. You can send an email. You can um, leave a comment or message on Facebook or we post a lot of conversation topics and, and conversation starters in our private Facebook group. So that's a great place also that we can um, talk specifically about questions that you may have. Um, but look for, for more for, from us in the future to address um, that specific area that's, you know, a big area that I wish we could get to in, in one evening. But alas, we are running out of time. Um, so I want to just... Uh, I guess hand it off to each of you just for some parting words, things you might want to encourage um, those uh, men and women who are watching and who will watch later, you know, whether they're in the midst of treatment or just starting out or, um, you know, discerning or in the middle of a break or wherever they are, just um, things that you might want to leave them with. So I'll just let each of you have the last word here. Um, I'll just go. Um, I just, I also wanted to mention um, this book is it's backwards, but it's called The Infertility Companion for Catholics. Um, and this book is actually uh, pretty pretty clear and helpful on outlining a lot of what we were talking about with what Kimberly was saying on church teaching. And it also talks about some discernment as well. So this book has been really helpful for me. Um, and as far as resources go and support. Um, so that was one thing that I wanted to recommend as well. Um, but I would just say that, um, just know that we are praying for you and we are with you in this, um, and that it, it is a journey. And even though it may take longer than you expected or not go the way that you expected, um, God is still God. And that's really at the end of the day, at the end of our life, you know, that's our focus and he is our focus. So um, we're here to, to serve him and to reverence him and to love him. So whatever way and whatever path he has for you to do that, even in amidst your discernment and um, in your marriages, um, I would just pray that you can easily choose that and choose him um, first and foremost. To piggyback off of Andrea, I would say again, yes, please know that you are prayed for and cared for by this community um, and by all of the people in the world who uh, take it upon themselves to pray regularly for infertile couples. And in terms of God's goodness, yes, God is absolutely good. Um, and one thing I think is important to remember is some of us can get tempted into the area of thinking, you know, God hasn't answered my prayer. For a child. Um, but someone told me when I was quite young that God always answers prayer and he has three answers. Yes, no, or not yet. And so please know that as you're praying, God is answering your prayers. And it's one of those three things. Um, and that all of our journeys are unique. Uh, just because Kimberly may have discerned fostering to adopt and Andrea may have discerned spiritual motherhood and I don't have it figured out. Um, doesn't mean that you have to do any one of those things. As long as God is your guide and you and your husband are uh, holding hands with one another and pursuing him, he will lead you on that journey. And there's no one particular outcome that is more holy than any others. 
um, you've already engaged in a very, very holy vocation of matrimony. Um, and so as long as you are looking to God to guide you through that, he will bear out the fruit that he wants to see in that. Wow, that was so beautifully said. <laughs> I don't think I can talk that. <laughs> but yes, I think just to try not to lose sight of the great gift that you have in your spouse, because it's very easy to look at what you don't have instead of looking at what you do. And to never forget that God does have a plan for you, for your marriage, and he will bring fruit to you. And to just trust that he's not forgotten you, that he loves you so much, and that the plan he has is so good and will bring you joy. So just know that we are praying for you and that we are finding the joy um, in the midst of this trial and this struggle, and we pray that you will have that same um, peace and joy. Thank you all so much for joining yeah. us. Um, this has been a really wonderful conversation. I know I'm leaving with a lot of peace, and um, yeah, I'm just grateful for all the little nuggets of wisdom you all have shared, but Please uh, follow us on Facebook. You probably already are if you're watching this, but um, this will be available, as I mentioned, as a podcast um, and on your YouTube channel. So you can share it with your spouse, with your friends, um, whoever you think may benefit. Um, and please stay tuned for more upcoming content. We're going to be doing a book club um, starting on July 29th. I think our first podcast for that launches. It's on The Secret Diary of Elizabeth Lasseur. Um, she is an amazing servant of God who uh, dealt with infertility in a in a difficult marriage, and she has so much wisdom um, for us to learn from. So definitely check that out. That's coming up, and look for more content on this topic, discerning treatment, um, as well as resources on um, the church's teaching. And if you have a specific question, like I said, please get in touch with us. Send us an email, private message, however it works for you. Um, we're here to walk with you and you are not alone. So with that, I'm just going to sign off here and say until next time. Thank you all again for joining us. Thank you. Thank God you. bless.